This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are recording this on Thursday night, nine days away from ECU season opener against NC State. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. We are doing our season preview and predictions podcast, and uh, it's my honor to be joined by a couple of our new interns on Hoist the Colors, intern Kaysen and intern Griffin. They're making their podcast debut, so you guys out there take it easy on them. I know they're excited uh, for their their upcoming senior seasons, or I guess senior senior years, but it will be their senior season as far as football as well. Um, you know, Griffin, we'll start with you. You know, just so Pirate Nation can get to know a little bit about you guys. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into sports, and once you know, in turn with Hoisted Colors. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, uh, originally I was born in Charlotte. So uh, my parents moved down there right at the beginning of like the Panthers kind of starting back when they were just giving out tickets. So I grew up going to Panthers games, going to camps down in South Carolina. So football has always been a big part of me. And then uh, I moved up to Chicago, whole family Bears fans, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we're getting through that. So sports have just been all around my life, whether it's soccer, football, baseball, basketball. I've always just been into sports no matter what it is. And intern Kaysen, how about you? Let's hear a little about yourself. I am from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I grew up playing sports all my life. I uh, played basketball in high school, played baseball most of my life, football too. And I just love sports. Uh, all of my friends, all our lives revolve around sports. I've met a bunch of my friends through sports, through basketball, through baseball, through football, just a big part of life is sports and a lot of relationships and how I got this internship is just through sports. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
really excited to have you guys on it. Well, you know, I like to have kind of a rotating panel or, you know, rotating co-host on the podcast to get different opinions throughout the year. And we'll have you guys on along with intern Mac and uh, intern Jamie at some point as well. Uh, intern Mac, unfortunately says he's got strep throat. Um, so I, you know, Griffin, I know it was your 21st birthday the other day. Hopefully uh, he wasn't out partying with you guys and, and, and is passing that around. No, he, was, he we did not let him go outside. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, for those unfamiliar with our season preview and predictions podcast, uh, you know we're going to do some predictions where we basically answer questions. I came up with a list of questions that I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to answer myself as well. Then we've got our over under segment where we've got certain things such as Holton Aylers passing yards. I set the over under at 3,200. You know, I'll kind of reference what he did last year, what his career high was, so we have kind of a reference point, and we're not just picking numbers out of the air. Uh, but, you know, we'll assume – you can look at this either way. We'll go over this when we get to the over-under segment, guys. You know, you can base it upon 13 games if you think ECU is going to make a bowl game. So some of these numbers could be higher if you think the Pirates are going to go bowling, but we'll get to that. Uh, we'll, we'll start it with the – the predictions part of this podcast, fellas, and uh, our first question is: What player will lead East Carolina in receptions? Last year, Tyler Sneed led the team with 67 receptions, 855 yards, four touchdowns. Audio Matosha was second with 40 receptions, 487 yards, and three touchdowns. Well, both those guys are gone. The leading returning receiver is Ryan Jones. He had 37 receptions. C.J. Johnson had 35. Both those guys are back. You've got Isaiah Winstead, Jalen Johnson in as transfers. Shane Calhoun's back at tight end. Uh, Kaysen, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, any any gut feeling here? I feel like this is a pretty wide open one. I think that Isaiah Winstead has a great shot because of the high praise he's gotten throughout camp. Uh, Ryan Jones, I have as my second leading receiver, especially in the red zone. When we get into opponent territory, I think Ryan Jones become a big target. But I think uh, Isaiah's ability to catch to to catch the long ball, ability to get up, get out open in space, it just is going to be much needed with the losses Snead and other receivers last year. Griffin, uh, your take on on this: what player will lead ECU in receptions? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Ryan Jones is definitely going to come back. Same same player he was last season, but I definitely see C.J. Johnson. I feel like he's going to have a big year this year. Yeah, I mean, C.J., you look at some of the things he's done in the past, if, if he's on the field and he's playing a full-time role, it seems like he could be a guy that, that could do that. Gosh, what player will eat lead E.C. receptions? I'm going to go – I'm going to go Ryan Jones. I, I – like, I feel like it's weird to say a tight end is going to lead East Carolina's offense in receptions, but I almost feel like Winstead's going to be a big play guy. CJ could be up there, but with no Tyler Sneed, I feel like Jones is going to turn into a guy that starts catching five, six balls a game. So I'm going to go with receptions, uh, Ryan Jones. All right, what player will lead ECU in receiving yards? You know, this one could be different from receptions. Obviously, if a guy's averaging more yards per catch than, than somebody else um, – you know, we could go that route as well. Uh, Griffin, we'll start with you this time. Do you have a, a different answer for receiving yards? Or are you going to stick with CJ? Um, I, like I said, CJ's going to be big. But like you, like you said, I think uh, the big plays are definitely going to come down to like Winstead, uh, Ryan Jones. So I definitely think those two guys would be up there for the uh, receiving yards at least. Kaysen, your thoughts? 
I think uh, Isaiah has the best shot, but also something we haven't mentioned is uh, Josiah, who's going to be out two games. But I think without those two games, going to hurt him. But when he comes back, he's got a really good shot to put his mark on this offense. Yeah, I mean, if you're just going by like receiving yards per catch, Josiah's going to be up there. He's a big play waiting to happen. Last yeah. year, for example, only 15 catches, but 294 yards. He averaged 20 yards a catch. And like you mentioned, he will be out the first two games of the year for those unaware. Um, last question here for the receivers. What player will lead ECU in receiving touchdowns? Uh, Ryan Jones did it last year. He had five. Tyler Sneed had four. And then nobody else had more than three after that. Um, Kaysen, we'll start with you here. Do you have an idea of, of who leads ECU in receiving touchdowns? Who's going to be that red zone guy? I'm going to take Ryan Jones back-to-back crowns. but And I think second, uh, you put uh, Shane Calhoun out there, put him both on each side, and both those tight ends and the Reds are going to be huge for us this year. Rolling with the tight ends. I just realized I didn't even give my answer for receiving yards. I'm going with Isaiah Winstead for receiving yards, and I'm going with Isaiah Winstead for receiving touchdowns. I think he's going to be a guy with his size, 6'4", 215. You know, if I didn't go Winstead, I'd probably go Ryan Jones um, just because of his size in the red zone as well. Uh, Griffin, who are you going with? Uh, who will lead ECU in receiving touchdowns? No, I totally agree with you and Kaysen. I think uh, last season, Ryan Jones just being in the red zone, being that big guy, the big bully out there, I definitely think he's going to go back-to-back again this year. Yeah, I mean, really his his five touchdowns, I mean, it was his first year playing tight end. He didn't really come on till the second half of the year, so you wonder what he can do with a full year under his belt. All right, we'll switch to the defensive side of the ball. Who will lead ECU in tackles? Bruce Bivens led East Carolina in tackles last season. He has now graduated. He had 57 tackles. Jaquan McMillan was actually second, the cornerback, with 56. So your top two tacklers are gone, but you had a ton of guys here. Miles Berry with 53 tackles. Jeremy Lewis had 49. Xavier Smith had 44 and he led the team in tackles two years prior to that. He's moving back to inside linebacker. Guys, I'm personally – I'm picking Xavier Smith to lead this team in tackles. I think with him being back at inside linebacker, that's going to be home for him. Um, Kaysen, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, who, do you who do you see leading ECU in tackles? I agree with you, uh, Xavier Smith, but I also have a dark horse in uh, Chance Bates, who's had, a, who's had a really good camp. He's going he's to play some inside linebacker. They were questioned about his transition from – Kennesaw State, ECU, but apparently it's fit in just fine. So he could he could sneak up there and push Xavier for most tackles. Yeah, he's the transfer, like you said, from Kennesaw. Uh, grad transfer, played under Blake Carroll at Kennesaw, so he's familiar with the scheme. Uh, Griffin, you uh, you going with Xavier Smith or you got somebody off the board, somebody else? No, I had Xavier Smith down. I think him being back in the inside linebacker position will be just where he needs to be, back to his uh, leading tackler again. Yeah, I think Xavier, I mean, he's your most athletically gifted linebacker. You know, if Miles ends up playing all 12 games and starts again, he could be up there as well. I mean, your inside linebackers traditionally get the most tackles. Um, you know, keep an eye on Tegan Wilk at safety. I think he's got a chance to rack up some tackles too. All right, we'll go. Who, who will lead ECU in sacks is our next question. Uh, last year, Jeremy Lewis and Emmanuel Hickman, they had four apiece to, uh, to lead the team. Nobody really had a huge year in sacks. There were a ton of sacks spread out. So, really, but really, all those guys are back. You know, Jeremy Lewis, Jaira Wilson, 
uh, Rick DeBrew, Emmanuel Hickman, Elijah Moore, Surratt, where all those guys that had multiple sacks last year are back. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with you, Kaysen. Do you have a, a pick here? I think it's 100% Jeremy Lewis because last year when he's even more familiar than any than he ever has, trans, he's been transitioning from offense to defense, and now I think he's going to – I think he's going to double his sacks to 9 and 10. Griffin, uh, you, you rolling with Jeremy Lewis or somebody else? Yeah, I like Jeremy Lewis. I like. I mean, I think it's gonna be a close race. I think the defense is getting really familiar with who they're all supposed to be. I got Emmanuel Hickman. Um, I think he's just a big presence that'll definitely get around the line faster. Um, but Jeremy Lewis, him, him, and uh, Emmanuel Hickman will definitely be up there. Yeah, both those guys having multiple years now of experience uh, heading into this year will, will help. I, you know, I think Jeremy Lewis is going to be that guy. I just feel like, kind of like Kaysen said, he, last year was his first year playing defense. He's got length. He's got he's got range, athleticism. Um, I just feel like with a second year under his belt, the only thing I worry about with Jeremy is teams are really going to game plan to take him away, and that could open the door for Manny Hickman on the other side. Um, but we'll see who emerges there. I'm going Jeremy Lewis. All right, next question. We'll start with uh, with Griffin for this one. Will ECU return a kickoff for a touchdown in 2022? The Pirates did it in 2019 and 2020 with Tyler Sneed going to the house each year. They did not do it in 2021. They actually allowed to uh, for touchdowns. But this year, the Pirates, it looks like Keaton Mitchell is going to be back returning kicks, uh, which may influence our answer. And so, Griffin, what do you think? Did the Pirates return one this year? Um, I always say yes, just because I'd love to see it, especially from the Pirates, especially if you've got Keaton Mitchell back there. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't have at least one throughout the season. Um, I think that it'll be very exciting to see if he stays back there all season too. That's the thing is, like, I feel like if Keaton Mitchell stays at kick return, like, you almost expect one. I think the question is, does he get two? I mean, I, like, he's so fast. He's got to get at least one. So I think if he truly is going to stay back there, I'm going yes. Kaysen, uh, what's your gut tell you here? I I totally agree with both of y'all that if Keaton stays back throughout the season, we're for sure going to get one, maybe two. But it just depends on how long he stays back there. But as Steven discussed earlier before the uh, podcast, uh, Houston's All-American corner returned a couple and won them games. So if it comes down to we need him to put us in good field position or take one of the house, I think Houston will keep him back there and we'll get a couple. Yes. So let's talk about that before we move on to our next question. I mean, how do we feel about Keaton Mitchell returning kicks? I mean, that is a – you know, he's, pro- he's probably your best player, obviously your most explosive player. You know, you, you expose him maybe to more hits. The, the counter argument is, I mean, if you look at his potential, if you're if opposing special teams coordinator, you got to be uh, shaking in your boots a little bit. So how do you guys feel about, you know, the move to at least open the season with him as kick returner? I think, I think that if you're a coach, you put the ball in the hands of your best player. And it's Keaton Mitchell, so if you I, so if you put the ball in Keaton's hands, he'll take to the house or almost there. So I think we sh- I think he should be back there because this is we have high expectations for this season. So let everything ride. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think high risk, high reward. You're gonna throw your best guy back there. Um, you want some touchdowns? You're gonna get some touchdowns. You're gonna have some more hits though with it. Yeah, I mean it'll. I also think if NC State. Let's say they kick the opening kickoff and ECU's receiving. 
if they put it eight yards deep in the end zone, is Keaton Mitchell bringing it out? I think he is. Like, I don't think he's taking a knee no matter what the scenario For is. Sure, 100% he's going. Yeah, I, I, he's going. <laughs> 100%. He might get tackled at the seven-yard line, but uh, – but, but he's still winning. Yeah, he, he's doing what it. Want. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is a this is almost a running joke at this point, guys. East Carolina has not returned a punt for a touchdown in 18 years. Travis Williams did it in 2004, I believe, against Memphis. I've had the tweet saved in my drafts for like eight years now that you know player X returns the first punt mm-hmm. for ECU since 2004. Like it's hard to believe. Dwayne Harris was close a couple times. Tyler Sneed was close a couple times. Justin Hardy was close, but nobody has taken it to the house in 18 years. It looks like Malik Fleming will, will at least be one of the candidates, C.J. Johnson as well. Is this the year the Pirates break the drought? Uh, Kaysen, what do you think? I'm going to be optimistic and say yes. I think C.J. Johnson and Malik Fleming are both great are both great athletes, and they have the capability to do so, so I'm going to say yeah. This is, this is the year we break it. I know specifically that I said last year ECU would break it, and I was wrong. But damn it, I'm I'm saying they do it again. I, I'm going to keep predicting that they're going to return one for a score until they don't, or until it happens, and it probably won't happen. Uh, Griffin, what do you say here? I'm optimistic. I love fun football. I'd love to see one. Uh, no reason why there couldn't be one. C.J. Johnson, Malik Fleming, two fast guys back there. 100 percent can see that. Well, we all if all three are predicting us to happen. Uh, it, it, it definitely is not going to happen. I can promise you that. So uh, so it'll probably be another year. All right, our final question of the prediction segment, uh, who will score the first touchdown of the season for ECU? So if you guys think it's a pass, uh, you know, obviously Holton Aylers will be involved in that. But who, who do you think will be on the receiving end? Do you think it'll be a run? Do you think it'll be a defensive score? Or do you think it'll be a punt return? Uh, we'll start with you, Griffin. Who do you think gets in the end zone first for the Pirates? Uh, well, I feel like everyone's seen that video ECU football put out there. They all asked that question. Everyone said Keaton Mitchell. I feel like if your team believes in that, you got to believe in that too. I can definitely see a nice like little 25-yard run to the house against NC State. That would that would get the crowd fired up. There's no doubt. He scored the first one last year as well against App State. Casey, uh, mm-hmm. uh, your pick? I think it's going to be uh, Rajay Harris uh, goal line on the one-yard line, third, third down, hard nose. Load the box, over the top, touchdown. I'm going to go rushing touchdown as well, but I'm going to go Holt Nailers. I think he's going to score on either a quarterback draw or some type of keeper. I think Keaton Mitchell or Rajay will be in the game, and the NC State defense will bite on that. And Holton just seems to have a knack when they let him run for scoring in the red zone. So I'm going to say he gets the first of uh, 2022 for the Pirates. All right, up next, we got our over-under segment. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are previewing East Carolina's 2022 football season. We will get more into our NC State in-depth discussion next week. We'll have Corey Smith from Pack Pride on. We'll also talk uh, in-depth about the game, the matchups, that sort of stuff as we approach September 3rd. But right now we're previewing the entire season. Got interns Kaysen and Griffin alongside making their Hoist the Colors podcast debut. I can see the sweat dripping off their face uh, on Zoom. Uh, not quite. It's not quite that intense, but uh, everything's good. Uh, we're going to have our over-under segment now, and we're going to start uh, with Holt Nailers, guys. Holt Nailers has been in the program a long time, and you know it feels like he's never had that dominant statistical season. He's put up good numbers. Last year, for example, he threw for 3,126 yards, his career high actually came in 2019 when he threw for 3,300 yards, close to 3,400. And so I kind of set I set the over-under at 3,200, right between those two numbers. And I tried to set these as hard as possible, basically to make a pick one way or the other. I don't know how I did on that. You guys can grade me. But Holt Naylor passing yards, 3,200 is what I set the number at. Do we think he's going over or under? Uh, Griffin, we'll start with you. What type of season do you think uh, Aylers will have? Um, I'm an optimistic man. I love the overs. Um, I definitely see this being over. Uh, being fifth year, he's coming back. Last year, Pirate Football always being in Greenville. I think that's definitely going to light something under him. He's whole team's going to spark around that. He's going to be thrown like crazy this season. He's got as many weapons as he's ever had, at least on paper. You know, running backs, tight ends, receivers. It would seem this would be the year. Casey, do you think he he goes over thirty two hundred? Yes, yes. I think he goes. I think he goes over because we will also be playing a bowl game this year. So add those yards onto that for sure. Over thirty two. I mean, that's you have to think too that basically all these numbers are based upon twelve games because he's never played in a bowl game. Clearly, ECU was bowl eligible last year. Did not get the chance to play. 3,200, I, you know, I'm with you. I think he'll go over in the bowl game. You know, I just, I think Holton's numbers have kind of stabilized a bit. Like, they've improved little by little each year, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's not like he's having bad numbers, but um, I do think he gets over 3,200 right, either in the last game or the bowl game. And I just think this offense is going to rely a lot on the running game, which we'll get to. Um but I, I do see a higher completion percentage and more passing yards, so I'm going over as well. All right, our next one is Keaton Mitchell rushing yards. And so last year he became the first ECU running back since 2014, actually since 2013, to have a 1,000-yard season. So I said the over-under again at 1,000. And, yeah, that's less than he had last year, which was 1,132 yards. But, you know, for me, part of this is, okay, teams are going to be – game planning for him now two he's got to stay healthy you know if you miss a game or two at running back that could very much adversely affect your numbers um I think Keith Mitchell 
and this is just my opinion, I think Keaton Mitchell is going to go just under 1,000 yards this year. And this may give away my pick for Roger Harris upcoming, but I'm going to go Keaton Mitchell under 1,000 yards. You guys might disagree with me. Uh, Kaysen, what do you think? I think I'm going to go Keaton Mitchell over because he's – I mean, the offense is going to run through him. We have a ground-to-pound offense, and he's going to – He's gonna get he's gonna get his touches, so I think he's gonna be over a thousand yards back to back. It would be an impressive feat. Ventavius Cooper did it in 2012, 2013, back to back a thousand yard seasons. Uh, Griffin, you said you're optimistic. Are you staying optimistic here? I'm 100 percent optimistic. I love the over. I love Keaton Mitchell. I think he's gonna have a big season. I think him and Rajay Harris are gonna split a lot of it. I think it's gonna be like a a Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt kind of thing almost, but. I think Keaton Mitchell is going to be that leading guy. I think he's going to get over. Well, if you, if you think he's going to have a big year, you might be picking over on this next pick as well. I, I set the over-under for Keaton Mitchell rushing touchdowns at 7.5. Again, he had 9 last season. I don't know. 9 feels like a lot for me for a guy who's like more of a fast, speedy back. And I wonder, is he going to be able to replicate that? I guess it doesn't matter if you're scoring from 70 yards out. Um So I set it at 7.5. I do think he goes over. I think he gets like 8. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, are y'all going over? We'll start, uh, Griffin. 100% over, over, over. I love the seven and a half. I think around eight, nine isn't that bad either. Um, I think that's definitely where he's going to be at again this season. Kaysen, you roll him with the over as well? Uh, I, I have him right. I, I have him right at seven and a half, seven and a half, six, eight, because I think that most of his touchdowns are going to come away from breakaways. Because I do think when we get into the red zone, the two tight ends and Harris are going to be back there. C.J. Johnson, big targets. I think he'll get his touches taken away in the red zone. But if he, but most of the touchdowns, if he breaks one, oh, he'll score a lot. That's the thing. I mean, you look back at last year. I know he scored on a red zone run at Navy and probably another couple as well. But, like, it felt like all his touchdowns were from 30, 40, 50, yeah. 60, 70 yards away. Yeah, like how how is that going to happen eight or nine times again? Yeah. Um, and it very well could. I mean, who knows? I mean, the guy is just electric. So, uh, and you like you said, like you have so many other options in the red zone. Like Holton can keep it. Rajay can do it. Uh, the tight ends, the, the receivers. So there's a lot of guys who can kind of vulture those touchdowns. Um, but let's move on. We'll go to Rajay Harris. You know, I struggled with this one picking it because I feel like Rajay is much better than the 583 he had last season. And he had 624 in eight games in 2021, which, you know, basically he was almost on pace for 1,000 yards over a full season then. So I set it at 700, uh, the over under at 700. What do you guys think about that number? Are y'all going over or under? Like, I struggled with this one, so I'm curious what y'all think. Uh, Kaysen, we'll start with you. I'm going to go right at it or a little bit under. He's a He is a, a third down back. He's not one that's going to break one. So I think he's one of those running backs that's going to get you first downs if you need them. But yards, they're going to come as they come, but he's not like Keaton where he can just get them and just huge, just huge, just gulps. Uh, Griffin, your, your take here? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it'll be a little under. Um, I just think uh, he's more of a – uh, red zone type of guy, smash mouth football, that kind of guy. Um, Keaton Mitchell is going to be like a guy that breaks away, gets the yards. But I think he'll touch on category at least. Part of me wants to say Rajay Harris is going to have a thousand yard season, and I don't, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing my bold prediction right up next week. Spoiler alert: I'm going Rajay Harris a thousand yard season, and I'm so obviously I'm taking the over. Maybe the and you know they call them bold predictions for a reason, right? I mean, yeah, like Keaton Mitchell a thousand yards. I don't think would be too bold. I think Rajay Harris a thousand yards. Last year, everybody was on the Rajay Harris train. Keaton Mitchell yeah. had a huge year. I think everybody's going to be on the Keaton Mitchell train this year. I think he's going to have a good season, but I'm going to Rajay Harris. Uh, just something about him this offseason feels different. So, um, also, But yeah. also the thing is, is Roger Harris going to get 1,000 yards worth of touches with Keaton? That's though? true. I mean, that's the thing is – and part of my – you know, with Keaton, like he's such a not, – he's not small, but he is a smaller stature back. So I do wonder, is he going to stay healthy for 12 games? You know, I'm not wishing injury, injury on anybody, but like, you know, at some point you're not going to be able to keep both those backs healthy throughout the course of the season, kind of like last year. So – Part of that is I think Rajay is going to see maybe a bigger workload. Um, but we'll see. You know, Keaton's so good, it's tough to take him off the field. All right, we'll roll on to our, our next uh, category, which is actually Rajay Harris rushing touchdowns. I said it at five and a half. He has, he's had four each of the past two seasons. Uh, I'm going over, if you can't tell. I'm on the Rajay Harris train. So uh, we'll start with you, Griffin. Um, over, under, four, five and a half touchdowns for Rajay. Definitely. I got the over on that one, too. I think that, like I said, in that red zone, I think when we're not throwing the ball, I think when they kind of got the, the pass locked down, I think we're going to be smashing Roger Harris right through the, the gaps, trying to just put his head down, get in the end zone. Kaysen, I believe you had Roger scoring the first touchdown yeah. of the year. Do you think he gets yes, uh, I, five more? For sure. I definitely think he gets five more because if when his first, second, third, and goal just – Hand him the ball and clear path. He'll get in there for you, hundred percent. Isaiah Winstead receiving yards. I set this one at eight hundred. The over under. He all right. So he's played four seasons of college football. He's had nineteen hundred twenty six receiving yards for his career. Like part of that was a COVID season. So he's averaging probably around seven hundred yards receiving, six hundred seven hundred yards if you extrapolate it over a full season. Each of those four years. Um, you know, 800 receiving yards, that is, doesn't sound like a ton, but it is a lot of receiving yards. And do we think he's going to get there in his first and only year at ECU? Uh, Griffin, we'll start with you. 800 over under for Isaiah Winstead. Um, I'm going to be going under. I'm just thinking, like you said earlier, I think Holden Ailey has only threats this year. I think he has so many options. So I think he's definitely a major part in that offense, but I don't think he's going to be the direct guy. I don't think he's the, the guy that Holton's looking for every play. Case and your thoughts? I'm going to go under. There's just so much. There's just so much depth at receiver. We can name four or five guys that can go out there and make a play. So for sure, under on 800. Yeah, 800 is a lot, and you know it's just like from what I've seen in camp, I, I think he has the potential to be 800. But it's just a matter matter of is he going to get that many targets? Um, you know, maybe I set this number a little high, but I'm going under as well. I think he gets like 750 or so. Like, I think he's right there, and I think he's going to have a, a lot of touchdowns, um, but I'm going to go just under. All right, Ryan Jones receiving yards. I set it at 600 last year. He had four, I think 439. I had the number in front of me. Here we go. Yeah, four, 442 on 37 catches. Do we think he goes over 600 this year, his second year playing offense? Um uh, uh, Casey, we'll start with you. I think that he goes over. He had 442 last year, and he was he was not very familiar with tight end. He was familiar, but this is his 
this is his next year back at tight end. He's more prepared, and I think he's Holton's number one, if not two, target this upcoming year. So I think over 600 for sure. Yeah, if I have him leading the team with receptions, I guess I better go over 600. So I'm going – I think he gets close to 750, too. Uh, Griffin, your take on Ryan Jones? Yeah, over 100%. I think being unfamiliar with uh, positions, still putting up that kind of yardage and those receptions, I think there's just no way that he doesn't go over. So Ryan Jones in line for a big year, it seems. Uh, our next category is C.J. Johnson receiving yards. I also set this at 600. He had 520 last season on, like, not even that many catches. He had 900 as a freshman. But, I mean, let's be honest, there's there's been times he's just kind of disappeared, too, from the offense. So, it's like, it's, with C.J., it's all about, is he on the field? Is he playing like C.J. Johnson? If so, I feel like he goes over 600. I don't really know what, you know, I don't really know what to, to make of this right now. Um, you know, I guess I'm going to go, I guess I'm going to go under. And, you know, for me, like, I think he's got to prove that he can do it week in and week out, and he definitely has the talent. I'm going to go under right now, um, but I could definitely see it. Uh, Griffin, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him going over. He just needs to play, like, how we know he can play. Um, I'm going to say over, just be optimistic. I think he's going to be another one of those big threats. He's fast. He's quick. He can definitely get the ball to in the hands when you need him to. So I definitely think he's going to be a big threat. I think he'll go over this year. Kaysen, uh, what do you what do you uh, what do you feel on CJ? I'm going to go uh, under because I think that he's a great receiver when he's on the field. He does great things, but that's the thing. We got to get him on the field. He might get caught up in the backup with Josiah Johnson, Isaiah. He might caught up in the backups and those targets. Also with Ryan and Calhoun, I got under for CJ this year. Yeah, we haven't really talked about Jalen Johnson. Part of that is my fault. I don't have a category for him. But the Georgia transfer, he's going to be a heavy role, I think, in this receiving core, and we haven't really talked a ton about him. But keep an eye on Jalen as well. All right, uh, our next over-under, Jeremy Lewis-Sacks. Uh, we talked about it earlier, his second year playing defense. He had four last year. I set it at five and a half. I'm going over. I thought about setting this at six and a half to make it a little more difficult, but still – I mean, six sacks is nothing to seize at, sneeze at in a college season. Are, are you guys going uh, over as well? Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna double it. Like I said earlier, he'll get about nine or ten, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So you are saying this is this is my worst one yet? It's too yeah, easy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Man, I'm taking that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Owen Daffer, longest made field goal. All right, so he made a 54 yarder last year, I think, to beat Navy. And outside of that, I don't even know if he attempted one over 50. And there was talk that, you know, really did the, the, the coaching staff even think he could make that, you know, because there was talk about them doing a Hail Mary uh, on that play. And they actually talked him into kicking it and he nailed it. So my question for this year is, yeah, he went one for one on, on kicks over 50. So that was his only attempt, 54 yards. He made it. Owen Daffer, longest made field goal, 50 and a half yards. So is he going to make one over 50 yards this year? Uh, Griffin, what do you say? Um, I mean, like you said, that Navy game, I think if you can put someone under that kind of pressure and just that moment and completely just nail it, I don't I don't see why he wouldn't. I don't see why ECU doesn't attempt more, a little longer field goals when they get the opportunity or need the points or something. But I think 100% if he can do that, exactly what he did against Navy, I see no issue in him doing that again this year. 
Yeah, I just think it comes down to if he, if he gets the attempt. I don't think he's going to get a lot. So, basically, he's going to make that one or two attempt. Um, I still don't know what I'm going to pick. So, Casey, you go first. I'm going to agree with Griffin. I, I mean, there's – I mean, he made a 54-game winner. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to do it again this year. He did it in a high-press situation. He can do it. He can do it again for sure. Yeah. I, just to be different, I'm going to go under – I feel like he's going to get an attempt and miss it. And then I think, you know, here was the offense is going to be so good, they're not even going to have to kick one over 50. How about that? That's probably wishful uh, wishful thinking. Um, all right, this is an interesting one. And, and Kaysen, you were at the press conference yesterday uh, with me, and I asked Mike Houston and Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator, kind of what the plan is with Mason Garcia. You had the four-game redshirt rule. He can still redshirt. He's got a redshirt available. So I set the over-under at four and a half um, on whether or not he plays in more than, you know, basically, does he play five games? Do they burn his redshirt or do they try to save it? Um, and I couldn't really gauge what exactly the plan is from yesterday's press conference case. And what, what was your read there and what do you kind of think is the – what's your gut feeling on over-under four and a half games for Mason? From our read, I think they're definitely thinking about it, but also I don't think they will at the end of the day because of that four-game rule. And when looking at the schedule, I mean, he'll definitely get some reps against Old Dominion, hopefully, Campbell. And I mean, those are and I mean, those are the two games I see in the schedule where he can get meaningful reps as of right now, as long as Holden stays healthy, not bearing no injury. But I say, I say I say there's no need to redshirt him personally. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this, but I think ultimately, and I feel like last year they showed they want to use him in special packages, and so I yeah. feel like they're going to use him again in that role. So I think he goes over. Uh, Griffin, your take? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and they're, like Kaysen said, there's a good few games he's going to get some meaningful reps in, but I think this season they're just going to it's going to be whole nailers. I think they're exciting to win, but I definitely think like there's going to be some packages they're going to get him in working in so i think he's he'll hit the over on that one all right our final over under pick uh for the show is wins and this is set by vegas las vegas and they're saying the over under for east carolina wins this season is six and a half and i have to say like you know maybe we're all homers here but i feel like it's almost easy to take the over but clearly vegas knows vegas always knows and, you know, you do look at the schedule, and I think what Vegas is basing this on is, well, ECU is going to be underdogs in four games, you know, on paper at least. They're going to be underdogs versus NC State. They're going to be underdogs versus UCF. Uh, they're going to be under – UCF may be a toss-up, but they're definitely going to be underdogs versus NC State, definitely underdogs at BYU, at Cincinnati, and versus Houston. UCF probably as well. That's five of seven games. The rest, ECU should be favored to win. That would be your seven wins and get you over. But, you know, who always wins every single game you're favored in? So, if you're looking at on paper, I can understand where they're coming up with that number. I think ECU will probably win one of those games where they are not favored in. And I could easily see ECU losing one of those games they are favored in. So, I'm still going over. I think this team wins seven or eight. Um... I actually have them at eight and four, so I'm going over comfortably. But you know, a lot of things can happen—injuries, that sort of stuff. But I'm going eight and four 
Uh, Griffin, we'll go with you next. Uh, are you going over six and a half? What's your final record prediction for this season? Um, I love the overs. I definitely got the over for this one. Um, I just, after last season, there were so many games that we won and lost that were just so 50-50. Like, it was just a coin flip that could have changed the record for whatever. But I definitely see him going over. I think this year is going to be a huge season for Greenville and ECU football. So, I definitely got the over, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. I got eight and four as well. Um, but, again, those four four losses I can definitely be seeing. The flip of a coin right there. So 12-0 and 0 is what you're saying. It's a possibility. 12-0. and 0. <laughs> By top four. Uh, Kaysen. <laughs> hey, that would be that would be insane. Uh, Kaysen, uh, what, what are you going with here uh, over under six and a half wins? Over, I also have eight and four, same as y'all. But also, I could see us going nine and three. I could see us winning one of the games during our very bad stretch of BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston all three in a row. I think that if we can win one of those, we can go nine and three, one hundred percent. It's just we're really going to figure out who we are during those during those three weeks. Yeah, that's a brutal. I mean, that is a brutal stretch, and. Yes. I mean, BYU, Cincinnati. Luckily, you do have a bye week thrown in there. But, yes. Uh, like, NC State is good, but you're playing them at home. Those are probably your two toughest true games outside of NC State back-to-back. So, that'll be tough. Yes. We uh, could we could go into that game 7-1, and 6-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. If, yeah. if ECU beats NC State, they could legitimately start 6-0, and 7-0. Oh, and oh. So, a lot to, uh, to play for on September 3rd. Speaking of that uh, – Games you guys are most looking forward to on the schedule as we wrap this thing up. Got a few talking points that I want to hit. And, you know, I feel like NC State's the easy one. So, like, I almost feel like like that is the, the one game we're looking forward to. So, maybe we even, like, skip over that unless you guys have something to add on it. So, like, what is your – what's the one game on the schedule, um, whether you want to include NC State or not, that you're most looking forward to? Uh, Griffin, we'll start with you. I mean, yeah, like you said, if you're not excited for the NC State game, you're a crazy person. That's a different story. I think I think BYU is going to be a huge game. I think that's exciting that we get to travel a little further. Definitely a different environment. Definitely a team we really haven't seen a lot before. So that'll be exciting. And then anytime you see Cincinnati, conference games are always good. They've got the college football playoff. So getting a win since he would be huge for the program. Kaysen, your take? Uh, I agree with what Griffin said 100%, but a game that I am interested to see in a little bit, it's not so much a big game this season, but at South Florida, October 1st, this is our first true road game, and it's always tough no matter who you play, even though South Florida is in a rebuilding state. Uh, a road a road game is hard no matter who you are, who you're playing it. so that October 1st game will be a big game for us. Yeah, that's a sneaky game. South Florida brought in a ton of transfers. Really, that and Tulane. I expect both those teams to be a lot better. Um, game I'm looking forward to most, I think I'm going to UCF. You know, I think ECU, like it's just time ECU beats UCF. And this is the final year in the American for the Knights. Pirates outplayed them last year in Orlando, just couldn't make the plays. I think ECU is going to win that game. I think it's going to be a great environment. And I think that's going to be a game where ECU kind of not anoints itself, but basically they make a statement that they're going to be an AAC contender this year. I don't know if they're going to win the conference. I mean, because I think that'll come down to Cincinnati and Houston, those back-to-back weeks, if you have a real shot. But I think if you beat UCF, you kind of put yourself in that conversation. So that's a big game for me on October 22nd. Um, Bonus game I'm least looking forward to, Navy. 
I, I hate the triple option. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, all right, position or player you guys will be watching the most on September 3rd in the season opener. Uh, for me, I'm going cornerback opposite of Malik Fleming, the replacement of Jaquan McMillan. You know, is it Demel Hickman's time to shine at corner? Uh, is Jawan Powell going to step up a pre-Washington, the, the transfer from Buffalo? You know, how do those guys handle guarding NC State's receivers uh, in a tough environment? Uh, that'll be what I'm watching. Uh, Kaysen, what about you? Do you have a position or a player that you're really looking forward to for that opener? I think it's it's very simple. It's very obvious, I think, that I think I'm interested in seeing Holt Naylor's play against that state defense because they are just – the state defense is – just nationally recognized and overhyped, in my opinion. But they have Drake Thomas, Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, all at linebacker. And those three versus Holton is going to be very interesting. And also on the flip side, uh, Barry Smith and Bates versus Devin Leary. Those three linebackers versus the quarterback is going to be very interesting to see how both of those groups battle against each other. Griffin, your uh, your take on this? Yeah, I totally agree. I think Holton Naylor's coming back his last year eligibility. I think last year when he announced that there was just a certain buzz and I think that it's going to translate to watching us destroy NC State on September 3rd. I'm really excited. Whole nailers by the way. I still remember sitting in DH Conley's gym. His decision came down to NC State in East Carolina. He picked the Pirates. And I'll say this, I really thought that he was going to pick NC State going into that press conference. Like I legitimately was hearing that he had a great relationship with then the offensive coordinator, Eli Drinkwitz. Like, I thought it was going to be NC State. I was genuinely surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been, knowing that he's a Greenville guy. But um, this game will obviously mean a lot to him because he did not play well in the uh, the 2019 game. You know, that, that fumble in the first drive, kind of swing momentum. And Anyways, we'll get more into that this coming week. All right, my final question to you guys, and I'm curious to this. I was a student at ECU from 2010 to 2014 – and it was, I'm not going to say a golden era, but it was definitely a good era of football. Uh, they had Lincoln Riley as OC. They put up a ton of points. They won some games. They had a 10-win season, the second one in program history. Shane Carden, Justin Hardy, Zay Jones. It was awesome. Um, you guys have sat through some some tough seasons, but you're going into your senior year. You guys have enjoyed finally a winning season, maybe even a bigger season in 2022. Uh, my question to you guys, what, you know, students, what's been your favorite part, you know, just as a fan, as a student about game day? Like, what's the, you know, and, and obviously, Casey, I know you grew up in the state, um, so you're maybe somewhat familiar with it, but Griffin, and I know you said you were born in Charlotte, but you moved to Chicago. Uh, we'll start with you coming, you know, coming to Greenville, coming to college. Like, what has this experience been like? What's your favorite part about, you know, being a pirate, going to game day, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, like you said, not being from around here, not really knowing much, like a lot about ECU football. I As soon as I came here freshman year, like it's kind of hard not to see that everyone in this town bleeds purple and gold. Like we can go three and nine, four and eight, like we have been in the past. And this town, this town just shows out no matter what. Like, so I really love this, like the, just the town itself, the fans, you got elderly, you got people with kids, you got the grandparents coming out, you got aunts and uncles, you got people coming from all over the state just to watch ECU football wear purple and gold tailgate a little watch a game so I absolutely love the environment and now that ECU football is looking like an actual D1 program again I'm very excited to see how this football team does this season how much of a buzz this town really gets K 
case in you. Uh, I know you're excited about the opener for, for multiple reasons, but uh, uh, for I, sure. for uh, sure. your, your answer to this question. For sure. Well, I mean, there's not much I can say. Griffin said it perfectly, just the way the town comes around this team. But uh, me growing up in Raleigh, I did grow up. I did grow up going to a whole lot of whole lot of state games. Family went to NC State. First one that first one that did not go to state. And so this, so football is football tailgating. Just the this the college town life has always been a part of me since I was a little kid. So there's nothing there's nothing better than opening a weekend in college football than being at your team's first game. And now both my teams are at the same place. So Saturday is going to be a special day for sure. I say that, uh, and I've been to, I've been to everywhere, I think, but App State now on game day. And I'm looking forward to going to that because I hear good things about it when ECU plays there either next year. I can't remember what year it is, but I think maybe next year. But NC State and East Carolina, to me, the two best football environments in the state by no far. Doubt. By no far. Doubt. Uh, I do think yeah. I do think I do think App State is nipping at heels though. Yeah, App State is really good. Like yeah. App State's got to be right there, and then like North Carolina probably. Carolinas <laughs> is a Carolinas <laughs> is a wine cheat. They're not getting rowdy. They're yeah. not having a time. Yeah, maybe in a basketball game it gets a, a little yeah. rowdy, but uh, football is just like you know the, just the culture. Like growing up to a game at. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium or Carter Finley Stadium, like you get the full experience tailgating. You just feel it, man. Like it's just special. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait till September 3rd. And I think it's going to be a great game. But guys, I uh, appreciate the time uh, on the Hoist of Colors podcast. And uh, hopefully, y'all, y'all didn't get too, uh, too intimidated, right? Y'all handled yourself pretty well. Uh, I appreciate you having us. Yeah. We'll have you back on soon. Uh, intern Kaysen and intern Griffin. Check out their work on hoistcolors.net as well. Kaysen wrote his first article the other day. We'll have Griffin uh, doing some stuff for us that, heading into the season as well. And then we'll have the guys back on the podcast uh, along with Mac and a few others as we move forward through the season. Well, that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll be back with you next week to preview East Carolina and NC State.